Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Jonathan Price, the founder of Down for Sound, an online retail brand that specializes in car audio systems. In the span of just five years, Jonathan went from working out of his parents' attic to 20 million in sales online annually. He now has a thriving YouTube community of fellow bass heads with 500,000 subscribers, and he coaches others on creating their passion business. On this episode, we talk about his grassroots marketing strategy of Down for Sound, how he used his online and public persona to leverage brand awareness for his business, and much more. Here's our interview now. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So we'll first start off with your company, Down for Sound. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Down for Sound is a distributor of car audio products worldwide now. We started off really small and now we ship shipments worldwide to mostly do-it-yourself type uh, audio people all across the world. That's awesome. So how did you initially get into that? I've read some stuff online. How did you get into the car audio as a business? If you could walk me through the inception of Down for Sound and, and what that first year kind of looked like? So the first year at Down for Sound, I, I feel like it was probably like a lot of other people's <laughs> very difficult or the first few years, very difficult to uh, get going. I didn't really know what I was doing, but was going to shows. I have a, a large, uh, I have a Chevrolet Tahoe with a very large car audio system in there. And I've always enjoyed going to car audio shows, car shows, and like showing it off. And the more that I would go to these shows and I would play my uh, system in my vehicle, more it would draw crowds of people over. So they would be interested and they would want to hear it. And this thing is on the level of if you sit in there, it's it's blowing your hair all around, your shirts flapping around. It's just, it's just absolutely over the top. So People that experience it are just blown away by it, literally, because the uh, the amount of bass and uh, audio that's going on. So anyway, the more I went to these shows, more people would start asking me, where do you get your products from? And at that time, I had a like a little sponsorship from a few different companies. So I would tell them, oh, you just need to go to sundownaudio.com or like these brands that were partially sponsoring me because that's my part of the sponsorship that I would refer people back to them and they would get a return on their investment for sponsoring me. So uh, I was referring them back to uh, the, these companies. And one day I went to the show and somebody asked me that same question, where do you get these products from? And it was like the light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, I could be selling these people this product that they keep asking for. I'm out here promoting it. I'm out here showing them what it can do. And that's kind of how the idea of Down for Sound started uh, or selling products started. So that's how it, the, that's when the light bulb went off in my head. But at that time, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about selling stuff or I'm like, but the idea that I could sell people, these things happen, but I had zero business knowledge and zero experience selling anything. So you were practically selling things already. You just weren't getting the money for it, you know, in, in the way that you were operating in the space, you were practically selling this stuff accidentally. But yep. someone else was reaping the benefit for you. So you essentially had this idea. Why don't I cut out the middleman myself and 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 so I could hold on to all the money? So you started down for sound. What did that first year look like? How were the the growing pains? So the first year after that idea kind of started, uh, I had to figure out how do I become a dealer for these products that I want to sell. So I reached out to um, these companies that I was running their products and I asked them, like, hey, can I become a, a dealer? And like, well, do you have your business license? So we can, for the tax reasons, I'm like, a business license, what's that? 
So because <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. So anyway, I looked up how to uh, get a business license, which isn't that hard. And I uh, ended up getting one. But at that time, they had so many dealers for their products. They said that they weren't looking for any more. So I got turned down time and time again on uh, becoming a dealer for these people's products. And this is while I was working some other jobs at the same time. So I was working uh, these other jobs. And that also was giving me the comfort of knowing I had this income coming in. So I wasn't really trying to push this new business idea because I had the comfort of my weekly paycheck from like so many do you, you get comfortable. Anyway, I wasn't really pushing it. Fast forward, I ended up uh, losing my job that I had for 10 years and I was devastated. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, now I don't have a source of income. What, what am I going to do? So uh, I had like, I don't know, $5,000 saved up. That's all I had to my name. I was typical paycheck to paycheck person, uh, no real savings or anything like that. So I ended up taking that money and I got the green light to become a dealer for a few different companies. And uh, Black Friday was coming up and I'm like, okay, I need to get some product because I know people buy stuff for Christmas and the Black Friday sales and stuff. So I'm like, this would, I could try to capitalize on this. So I took the $5,000 and bought all the product that I could, which wasn't that much product, but, and I was living with my parents at the time. So I was storing the product in my parents' attic in their office. Like it was, it was truly, I wasn't even, we didn't even have a garage. So, you know, you hear the Jeff Bezos and uh, Bill Gates and all these stories that start in a garage. I didn't even have a garage. I just had an attic that we were storing <laughs> this little bit of product in. So, um, but it was very slow going. And I mean, I was probably getting a sale like once every two weeks or something. So very slow. The Black Friday sales started happening and it started picking up a little bit. So I uh, every time I'd make some money, I would reinvest it back in. I'd buy more product and I kept flipping it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I decided that I was going to move to Las Vegas to uh, be with my then girlfriend, now fiance, uh, fixing to get married in a couple of months. So uh, I progressed well. I appreciate it. So I'm like, okay, I have to figure out how I'm going to move out to Vegas and also move my little operation out there. So I moved out to Vegas. I, I was still uncomfortable because I didn't, even though I had some more inventory, I didn't have any. I was cash flow poor. I had inventory, but I didn't have any money to like live off of or anything like that. Uh, well, my YouTube was paying a little bit of money at the time. So it was kind of getting me by, but it wasn't great by any means. Uh, but I was using that to get me by while I was trying to get my business going. So when I moved out to Las Vegas, before my job was, I was working at an airport where I fueled airplanes. I worked on airplanes, basically anything to do with private aviation. I was all into that for 10 years. So when I came out here, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go around to the airports and apply for jobs to get that, basically that comfort of a weekly paycheck back. And I'll keep growing my little business on the side. That financial stability. Yep. And, uh, and uh, I'm like, I know I was so cocky at the time, like, because I knew everything there was to know about fueling planes, like the aviation thing that I was in. I knew everything about it. I had 10 years of experience. So when I went and applied to these places, these airports around Las Vegas, I'm like, I know I'm going to get hired. Like I, I got, I even got lazy on my own business because I knew they were going to be calling me wrong. I never received one phone call. And I like, after a few weeks, I'm like, what, what is wrong with me? Why would they not hire me? I have all the experience I have. Like I could just literally be stuck in there and I could do everything that the person would want. Never got a phone call. So now I know that ended up being in a being a blessing in disguise to me that because it really put my back up against the wall to, I had to figure stuff out. I had to do something to become successful in my own business. 
So at that time I was living with uh, my girlfriend and I went through a stage of feeling like a bum because I wasn't getting any sales. I was just living in her house. I had some product in her garage and her living room. And, but I wasn't getting a lot of sales. I had a little bit of a following online and I'm like, how do I leverage this to possibly get more sales? I started, if I did get a sale, I would make a little video of the product that the person bought and me packaging it up and writing a thank you note on there and everything like that. It started getting more traction. More people started commenting on it and liking it. And uh, they were developing that personal relationship with me because I was just sharing my journey with them and, uh, and growing. So it made people want to buy from me in a chance to have their order shouted out or, or talked about online. So uh, it started growing in that way as well. It sounds like you're in that process, you're creating something that's a lot more personal. And, and I think people like being attended to personally like that. Definitely. And, uh, and and I still, even to this day, I do stuff like that. When I'm in town, I'm, I'm gone a lot. But when I'm in town, the process is like my team knows to print out all the invoices, even though we're shipping hundreds of orders a day sometimes is in here and let me sign these invoices every morning that I'm here. Thank you, John, my autograph. Thank you. Like, so it's, it's, it's still to this day, putting that personal touch on these people's uh, orders. And some of them, they'll send me pictures on social media or whatever. They'll have 20 invoices. They, they keep these things like, like autographs. That's pretty cool. Yeah, basically. Um, so they, they keep all their invoices. They'll have stacks of invoices. Like, man, I've been buying from you for 10 years or seven years or whatever. And, and this is all the invoices I have. I'm like, man, that, that's crazy. It really takes me back to, because some, some days I wonder, I'm like, do people really care that I'm personally signing their invoice? And that shows me that there is a good amount of people out there that do care that, that it does make an impact on them. So that's how I got started. And throughout that first, uh, that was kind of like a six month transition, I would say right there. And after I started getting a little bit more traction um, and I was tearing up my girlfriend's townhome at the time, walking all through there with my shoes and getting all the pacing around the house. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was there was it was dirty. And she was arguing with me because I was tearing up her house, basically. But uh, I was trying to get this thing figured out. I'm like, OK, I need to get a place to store all this product at because the product was growing the amount that I had in inventory. So I needed to find a place to get the product out of the house so it could be more of a house. And of course, still have my office there. So for a couple of, I think, two or three months, I had a couple of storage units, two 10 by 10 storage units. So nothing major. So I had like an office at our house and the storage units down the road half a mile wasn't far. So I was doing that. I would get an order, say, in the morning. I would drive down there and get it. I'd bring it back to the house. I would pack it and get it ready to be shipped. And sometimes I would just have one order or no orders. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But as things progressed, it was turning into two or three orders throughout the day. So I'm like, man, I'm driving over there, getting that, come back here, sit here for a couple hours, driving back over there again. All this back and forth, back and forth is not efficient at all. So I need to start looking for an actual location for me to have a business where I can have a little office and then have a place that we'll store the inventory at. So I started looking for that. And when I saw the, I was thinking I needed like a thousand square feet or something that would last me for a while. And I started talking to the people that I do business with and like, man, we see the way that you're growing, like how hard you're working. You need to get something at least two or three times bigger than that because you're going to outgrow it 
like super fast. We see the potential in you. And a lot of times we can't see the potential in ourselves because we have all those doubts in the back of our mind. What if this doesn't work out? What if I can't grow? I think I should be or could be. Uh, what if I fail? So you don't want to put this big amount of investment in on the front side. Anyway, I end up uh, finding this, I think it was 2,500 square foot warehouse. Like, okay, that's kind of in the middle. I'll, I'll look into that one. But again, I still don't have really any money because I'm just putting everything uh, back into inventory. And they tell me that uh, they need three months up front and it's, it's a dollar a square foot basically so i'm like man seventy five hundred dollars like what but i knew i needed to do it and uh, so i started really pinching all my pennies for a, a few weeks and i was able to get up to that and uh, i invested into that didn't got into that place so that was seven years ago i did that i think a year and a half or two years after that i was maxed out on the space there and i went to i know you said a year but this will just give you the story like over the past seven years really quick in the transition of how the business grew uh, so rapidly. Uh, so it went from that to two years later, uh, we moved into the second warehouse, which was uh, 7,500 square feet. Two and a half years ago, we moved into our third warehouse, which was 30,000 square feet. And it also was taller. So we were able to do more racks like higher. So in the course of uh, right at seven years, we were able to go from basically my parents' attic to a 30,000 square foot warehouse here in Las Vegas with a bunch of team members. And we also have another location over in North Carolina. that So we're able to service East and West Coast uh, customers a lot faster. That's kind of how that transition happened. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And then, you know, it sounds like in about three or four years time, you then tripled, quadrupled your square footage from 7,500 to, to 30,000. Yep. I, I mean, that's practically four times as big. So that's that's pretty impressive growth yep. rate. And, and mm -hmm. speaking of growth rate is being in this for about, is it six years, seven years? So I started doing this full time, I guess you could say, well, like right after I got let go from the company I was working for for 10 years. So, but again, I wasn't really taking it serious as like a full-time thing because I thought I was going to get another job at an airport sure. doing that. So uh, I would say six and a half ish years. Okay. Um, it went from basically a, a start and no, not, not making any revenue to the past two years we've done uh, right at uh, $18 million a year for the past two years grown pretty rapidly and I'm super excited and grateful for the what we've been able to achieve. No, absolutely. And that's a number that I think a lot of entrepreneurs aspire to is to pull in about a million dollars in revenue a month is, is what I've read. So my question to you is what are the main factors to that exponential growth rate over time? It's definitely something that's been the biggest, I guess, shot in the arm for me being able to grow so fast was I was growing my following online organically and not selling anything initially like i was i was going to all these shows i was starting to and people were saying uh, you should share some video or you should make some videos you should share videos on facebook or sometimes when i was getting started around the myspace age so that tells you how long ago that i was i didn't know what what i was growing at that time i, I just thought i was like oh i'll be popular on the internet that'll be cool I'll be e-famous, like that'll be cool. But I didn't know one day it would transition into people having this personal relationship with me and wanting to purchase from me for mostly that reason. So that's been the biggest thing. I, I started growing my online following before with without selling anything before I had a business. So if you have a business 
and you start like a social media page and people know that it is a business, they're kind of, we're so bombarded with advertisements all day long. Sure. They're like, ah, get away from me. Uh, I don't want to see another advertisement. I don't want to see another person talking about a product or whatever. So they really have a have their guard up uh, towards subscribing to a person or following a person for that reason. Uh, but since I started mine before I was selling anything, they they already were following me and I had already um, started growing this. I mean, I think at the time I had, I don't know, collectively on all social media platforms, maybe a hundred thousand followers. Um, so that's between, and YouTube was my biggest one, but I had like some on Facebook, some on uh, Instagram, some on Snapchat, and even my MySpace stuff was starting to peter out and transition over to Facebook. Having that when I did start a business and me sharing like, Hey, uh, and this is a funny story. When I first started my business, I didn't want to be known as a person that sold something. I thought being a salesman was embarrassing. So I, I did, I, even though I started a business, I never said anything publicly about me starting this business because I had seen these videos or whatever of people saying salesmen uh, are scams. They're, they're just trying to take advantage of you. Like they're bad people. I, and so this was in my head. So I'm like, I don't want to be known as a bad person. I don't want to be known as a salesman or anything like that. So I would never post publicly at that time that I sold anything for that, that fear of somebody thinking I was a bad person. Uh, the only way that I would contact somebody, say they made a post on Facebook, uh, I'm looking for this speaker or whatever. I'm like, oh, I sell that speaker. But I wouldn't even post in the comments there that I sold it. I would click on their name and go and send them a message and say, hey, I, I can get you that product. A private you... message. Yeah. Yeah. Because I again, I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, I don't want people to think I'm, or know that I'm a salesman. So that I had to obviously transition out of that. And that's how it, it got really moving in the right direction when I had that mindset change on, okay, I do need to tell people that I offer these products. I do need to be more in the public eye about these things for that reason. And that's been definitely the biggest way of being able to grow my business. Obviously, taking care of people. You want to have good customer service. You want to have fair pricing, treat people how you want to be treated. Uh, I think that's kind of cliche. People should know that it should be common sense, but the it online is persona is a is is the biggest one, but doing those other ones as well as uh, we also have like what's called the down for sound difference, guaranteed lowest prices, fastest shipping, best customer service. Like I put that out there all the time. So people know that we have this guarantee and they, they hold our feet to the fire all the time. And that's what makes us continue to be better because if we slip up and we don't get their order out that fast or something happens, they'll make a post about it online. Oh, you said you had the fastest shipping, but it took whatever amount of time. Yeah, they'll they'll put it out there. And so what what do we do? We have to go on high alert and figure out what's going on with their order and get it fixed for them. So but it makes us always be the best that we can be. Yeah, I, I think accountability is a is a healthy business metric. model and metric for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's impressive. So I wanted to ask about your products a little bit more specifically. I mean, generally they have like a, a finite demographic and customer base you know, in, in car audio systems. So typically yep. your audience 
and your customer base is going to be car enthusiasts and car audio enthusiasts. So have you been able to reach a wider audience than just that? Oh, definitely. So before, like we were, when we started out, we were just selling other people's products. And the more that we continued on, people started asking if we were ever going to do our own brand of products. And initially I'm like, no, I'm I'm fine. Like we're doing okay with selling other people's stuff. I'm I'm fine with the way that we have this going. People just kept asking and, and asking. It's almost like, I don't know, is that called an epiphany? when you have some realization or whatever when i'm like i feel like i've been in this situation before when the person was asking me where do you get your products from where do you get your products from and then that light bulb went off in my head so people kept asking when are you going to do your own brand of product when are you going to do your own brand of product and it kept happening again and again so then one day the light bulb turned on again and it's like well maybe i should start doing my own brand of products Uh, we slowly started uh, coming out with our own brand of uh, amplifiers Uh, And then people would ask for different stuff like Bluetooth speakers. And so this initially it was just car audio products. So it was a really a focused niche that we were going after. And then people were like, man, it'd be cool if you had a, I was at a tailgating party and uh, we were listening to my speakers in my truck, but I didn't want to have a vehicle running. And man, if you just had a portable Bluetooth speaker, that would be cool. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to call some portable Bluetooth speakers. So that transitioned it to where a person didn't have to be just into car audio to be a customer of ours. Now, a person that is having a, a barbecue or a get together at their house or or wherever or at work, they're just doing their day-to-day job and they want some good tunes, like they can get one of our portable Bluetooth speakers. And then um, a person said something about like, well, that's too big for me. I need headphones. So it came out with headphones and uh, in-ear, the AirPod style. Like, So we started expanding our offering to be able to uh, reach more people than just your core audio niche. Uh, But obviously that's where we're most heavily uh, focused in. But now we have stuff that we can get other people. And as far as the next car audio person, you never know who that person is going to be. Yes, there's a a heavy focused uh, amount of people, say from the age of 18 to 35, that's going to be your heavy. But we have people contacting us all the time that are in their 50s and 60s. And they're like, hey, man, I I came across your video and I used to be into car audio. I really want to get back into it. So you never know the what the next person that's going to be trying to get another system for their vehicle is going to be. It can it doesn't matter the color. It doesn't matter the age. It's all these people. So it's really cool to see how music is able to bring people together. So this has been really rewarding for that reason as well. No, that's very cool. I think it's interesting how you used your personality at at car shows, like like you've mentioned, as kind of like a springboard for your business. And Mm -hmm. now it's it's grown to a, a pretty impressive you know, 500,000 subscribers on YouTube, 100,000 on Instagram, mm-hmm. and th- they're engaged followers at that. I dove in because I think you and I both know that those numbers are only as good as a community that's actually responding to your content. You know, I, I think <laughs> people can laud, you know, I've got a million followers on so-and-so, but their videos and you get, get three like likes. 20 likes. Yeah, yeah. So You're like, tell me you bought your following without telling me you bought your following. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how I know yours is 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 real. Yeah. More specifically, how did you build that social media following over time and and continue to grow in that capacity? Yeah, it has. Uh, so it was. I would say it was easier when to to build something when we weren't so much selling something. But now, like I said, that's been a learned lesson for me, and I know 
I know what the problem is, but sometimes it's difficult to fix because one of the uh, biggest things that people like to see on my social media is me like playing my my system in my vehicle to and getting people's reactions. Everybody loves reaction videos, whether it's somebody getting a pie in the face or, you know, like there's a lot of reaction video uh, channels out there. Uh, but so they want to see that. But when my when it's not car show season, I kind of run out of uh, material to upload that is that what they're following me initially for. So I'm like, okay, how do I fill the weekly uh, YouTube uploads or content with what do I fill it with? And I'm like, well, we're constantly coming out with new products or people are coming out with new products. So I could talk about that. But again, it turns into, oh, he's just trying to sell us this stuff because it's just a new product, a new product. Even though some people would probably like to see it, it's not as many people want to see that exact product as uh, reaction, somebody's crazy reaction to hearing my system uh, video. So that's how I grew it the fastest initially. So now my numbers, and again, like I, I talk about my wins, I talk about my losses. And uh, now sometimes my engagement is can be lower than it once was because they they see it's more it's been a lot more advertising or a lot more product sharing than reaction videos or uh, really what people want to see. But I'm kind of kind of get stuck because again, there's not really any car shows during the winter time because it's so cold. Um, so I'm kind of juggling that as as best as possible where it's not super heavy in advertising and cramming things down people's throats that they that they don't want to be consuming. But anyway, so that's a that's where I'm trying to learn on that because like I have seen and I'm aware of seeing sometimes my poster and then obviously sometimes there's just an issue with the platform. For instance, I'll use this as an example. The other day, my front office manager, she got like her new dream car and I was like, man, this is so cool that you're able to get your uh, dream car. And I, I made a post about her, like so proud of her. She's been able to do a lot of good things and and grow as a person. And I shared it on uh, my Facebook page and like on my Instagram page, pretty much the same thing, word for word. And on my Facebook page, got like over a thousand likes, hundreds of comments and stuff. And then uh, on Instagram, it got like three likes. And I'm like, what? How? Interesting. Yeah, I'm like, wait. and then so I'm like, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not sharing it to brag or whatever so whatever and then come to find out somebody brought to my attention that there was an actual issue with the uh instagram platform at that time and they were making posts and they all got like hardly any likes or anything like that as well so there was an actual issue uh because usually something that's good and wholesome like that people get a good vibe from they can they vibe with it so they're like oh i'll like it i'll comment or whatever but having good wholesome content and helping people is has been a huge thing and getting them to engage as well. No, I think there's a lot of value in, in creating that sort of positive content like that. So to kind of maybe switch gears a little bit, some of the um, best salesmen that I've ever met personally say that you're not selling your idea or your product, you're selling you. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that you've actually capitalized on well, Jonathan. And frankly, I think you're a solid down to earth guy. I've also seen in like the car audio community that that you're kind of a polarizing figure to some people and that we word this correctly is your influence and public persona as someone who kind of tells it how it is and and can be a little edgier um something that you've conscientiously cultivated over the years to to help with sales 
um, because I think you're a, a wicked nice guy. And, and there's certain things that I've, I don't know, seen that seem like a not a, not a tactic necessarily, but a way of sales, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am a, a pretty, like I said, I'm, I'm very transparent on my journey and everything. So people get that connection with me on a more personal level of, but I always try to help people, especially on my personal page. Like I'll put out whatever I'm, if I go through a lesson and, and it's, it's even helped a lot of my competitors, they would never say this, but I see a lot of monkey see monkey do type stuff. Um, but I, like I see me sharing, for instance, writing, thank you on all these invoices. And then magically over the years where they never did that. Now they're all doing that. I'm like, all right, I see you. And there were probably the same people making fun of you for doing that too. And until they see that it works, it's like they they need someone to take a machete through the jungle so that they could take the path that that person created. You know, definitely. So, uh, but I'm always sharing that stuff, and it, it could be it could be good stuff, it could be bad stuff. And if a person sometimes they will read something about me online, and for whatever reason, a person will believe something a hater puts out there that has no credibility whatsoever, doesn't have any following, no credibility, they'll magically believe what this person says about me. That always is really perplexed me to the highest degree because I'm like, why would a person believe that person over a person that has a huge following and people that are always engaging with me and saying I'm a good guy and stuff, but you want to believe this random person that said whatever they made up about me. That makes me think that no matter what a person, if they want to hate you, they're going to find something to hate you about. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Even if you sure you cured cancer, they're like, oh, he just did that so he can make money. Like, it's totally negating, like, you you cured cancer. <laughs> but they, they just say, oh, he only did that so he can make money off of it. Like, it would. So anyway, uh, same thing in core audio. Like, I, I, I deal with people like that all the time. But it, luckily, I have a ton more supporters than I do negative people. And a lot of the people I also have when I go to these shows, they'll come up and talk to me. And I talk to them, just like you said, like, I'm just a normal dude from Mississippi. I don't like, I'm not some prick or anything. I, I talk to anybody and I, I give people the energy and respect that they give or don't give to me. So if you approach me with a negative attitude or talking smack, like, I'll give it back to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you respect if you're disrespecting me like that. That just doesn't equate to me. So, but anybody that just comes to me at a car show and like, Hey JP, what's up? I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, uh, like talk about systems or whatever. And I've had so many people go online after they see me, at, they actually see me in, in person at shows. And they're like, man, I just have, to, I'm publicly apologizing to Jonathan because <laughs> I, I made some bad posts. I judged him off of what other people said about him. And uh, I was totally wrong. Uh, I met him uh, now once or twice at different shows. And he always takes time to talk to me, just like I'm a normal person. He's not too good to talk to people. And uh, so I feel like I need to ap apologize to him for judging him just off of what somebody else had made up about him. So that's always rewarding for me to see like people because it takes a lot for a person to accept, uh, take responsibility for their prejudging me and, and doing the wrong thing. So, uh, but that lets me know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, if you always know yourself, who you are and what path you're going down, and if you're doing the right thing, then the majority of the people are going to see it. And uh, that's what I've, I've always done. One of the things that upsets people, but it's more so like haters. If I like whenever I share something that has to do anything with money, they lose their minds 
because they're like, oh, it's he's fake. Just, Give me the receipts, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, that and they're like, uh, he's just bragging like he's he's flashing it or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm I'm trying to I'm, I'm sharing my journey with you. And it does include like I share my losses. I share my wins. Like if if we did 18 million dollars last year, I make a post about it. I'm like, hey, super grateful. Like uh, we were able to uh, do 18 million dollars uh, in revenue last year. Most of the people, 99 percent of the people, are supporters. Man, that's awesome. You motivate me to do better in my business. All this, and then you have the haters that chime in there. Oh, he, uh, you're always all you do is talk about money. I'm like. I may post about money like every three months or something, but they that's what they get out of it. Oh, he only talks about money. I'm like, I haven't said anything about anything monetarily in months, but that's their comment because they just want to hate me for whatever reason. And that's their time that they're like, oh, I can make a comment now out of all the things I've talked about over the past three months. Now they comment and say something. Oh, he's just talking about money. That's all he's about. Like, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I want to dive into that kind of that transparency a little bit, because I, I think that's decently refreshing. I've worked in the past in a also a niche market where essentially I was working on agricultural TV shows, which which has like a very large following, but it's also very niche, kind of like car audio, both very right. similar in what I've seen in, in research. Essentially, the audience really responded to the authenticity of people. So I can understand the value both internally and personally that that has to you and and being self-fulfilling, but also the value that that can have financially. Do you think that that's because people in certain industries like car audio respond to that transparency more than in other industries? Or do you think it's because people at large generally respond to authenticity instead of maybe data or or other sales tactics? I don't think it's specific to car audio. I think it's any industry really that could uh, benefit from. I mean, I'm not I by far like I, I say this every day. Like I don't know everything. I'm always trying to learn, and uh, I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not. But it seems to work fine for me, and I've always been transparent with it and. And I think it also shows I'm not lying about what we're doing, what we're able to uh, grow, because there are so many other companies out there that always are saying, oh, we do this number or we do this number. Anybody can say anything. And that's that's where I think is hurting them to say that with no proof Then it's helping them because, you know, how the the news is these days like they they tell you they say anything they they lie to us all the time it's been proven time and time again so now people if you make a claim with no data to back it up they're on guard about it because they're like oh I've been told things like this a ton of times and it's been a lie i see it all the time so tell the story I provide the data, I show the truth and people, like I said, 99% of people are, man, happy for you. Like you're doing awesome. Keep up the good work. You inspire me, you motivate me. And it and also it's cool for me to look back on and like my Facebook memories or whatever. I can go back four years ago when I was so hyped up about getting to $5,000 in sales in a day. I'm like, man, this is so awesome. And like, so seeing it's a reminder of where I, I have been and like, I, I haven't given up and I've been able to and now we do fifty or a hundred thousand dollars a day. Like so and so it's cool for me to be able to go back and reference those days of everybody's always like, remember where you came from? Don't like, bro, I, I go back and visit my hometown once a month. I know where I came from. You don't have to keep telling me that. But anyway, so uh it's it's I like it for my journal as well 
uh, like to be able to go back and see these things and see how I was so excited to be there and equally as excited today to be able to see what it's grown into. I'm like, man, if it was like that four years ago, what is it going to be four years from now? Like, man, that'll be amazing. <laughs> but as long as, so that's another thing, like, I know it's, again, there's so many cliche sayings and stuff in business, but the hardest person to beat is a person that never gives up. Like I had so many times going through business where I'm like, this, this isn't going to work. I don't, I don't want to do this as a waste of my time. And I'm like, man, I mean, so many of those, especially in the beginning years. And that's when so many businesses fail because people give up. And I'm like, man, if I would have given up at that time, I don't know what I would be doing now, but it wouldn't be doing $18 million a year in revenue. <laughs> I know that. So I'm glad I never gave into that temptation of giving up for the easier road, maybe at the time. Well, I think I think there's a lot of humility and, and gratitude that permeates when you tell your story. And I think that responds to people well. And sometimes sales is a story at the end of the day. It, a oh, business definitely. is is a story. So I wanted to ask you, essentially, part of car audio culture kind of involves content or areas that might be considered a little like taboo, or, or as I mentioned earlier, like edgy. Is that something that has prevented any sort of business opportunities for you? Or is that something that was actually more beneficial for you to lean into? I would say definitely it's it's created more opportunities for me um i mean i just I actually i mean i have companies reaching out to me all the time so i think the only way that a big following would hurt you is if you're not true with yourself and your intentions like cuz one day people will find out like if you were being honest or you were being yourself or you were just making up this fake persona or whatever it's staged yeah yep. and the longer you do it the longer you do, do the right thing i think the more the more wins you will they will start coming in like big waves where back when i first started i'm like man can i ever catch a break can i ever get a win and now i'm like win 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 like they like come in all the time and all these opportunities but it's because people have been watching me for so long and they they either want to do business with me or work out some deal with me or or use my platform to try to advertise their product i was having to pay for a product to do a uh, to make a video of it like they're like i just had a company contact me about uh, a new dash cam that they came out with and it's it's awesome and i'm like well i, I don't sell dash cams like and it's going to take up a lot of my time so i'm 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 not really interested in doing it unless it, it makes sense dollars wise. And um, so they're like, okay, we'll uh, give you $5,000 to do a six minute video on YouTube. I'm like, that's pretty good, but it, it has to make sense. And nobody would ever do that in the beginning because I don't have the, I didn't have the reputation. I didn't have the following. I didn't have all these things that it took for me to, I had to build this over time, but now the wins come a lot more often for that reason. Cause people see that, I'm authentic and there's the proof is there is not just somebody saying, Oh, I'm a great guy. Like anybody yeah. can say that. And then like they're over here doing the exact opposite or, or whatever. So uh, I definitely think it's, it's, it's a great thing if your intentions are pure. And I think some the fact that some of your most popular content is you actually engaging with people and isn't just like you filming yourself at a desk or, or in a more like kind of sterile or, or predictable sanitized environment. It's actually you in a community acting like you would around other people, which is normal, you know, just the way that you Definitely. are, I, I, I think kind of plays into the fact that 
people take it more genuinely and, and authentic. Something you've also mentioned in the past was that an important part of your business strategy, in addition to a, a good learning experience for you, was simply starting to sell t-shirts. Can you kind of tell us about how a car audio company selling t-shirts worked and what you actually learned from starting that up? That took it way back for sure. <laughs> so so before I actually started like selling any of the speakers and stuff, people uh, would ask if I had any t-shirts or something like that. They wanted to support me when they would see me at these shows. They weren't asking anything about car audio products. They were just asking, do you have any merchandise, merch or, or whatever? I'm like, merch, what's that? <laughs> So again, I, I tell you, when I come from Mississippi, like uh, I wasn't smart at, at all. Like, and some people say, "Man, don't don't say that you're not a smart person." Or don't. I'm like, I'm just being honest, man. I'm my my IQ is probably average, <laughs> but at, at best, I also learned that reading books is very important. You can learn a lot from other people, and one of the things that I learned uh, that's very important is you want to get to where you can hire people that will do the stuff that you either that you don't have time to do anymore or you really just you don't want to do it like there's people out there that really enjoy doing accounting like i hate doing accounting like i hate doing anything to do with numbers or, or whatever like that so so you start putting people on your team that really enjoy doing these specific things but anyway that's been a an important thing for me to do uh, for for that reason um, but going back to the t-shirts, we, so I'm like, okay, it's cause they, we kept asking for merchandise and I'm like, okay, uh, well, I guess I can come out with some t-shirts to sell, to maybe cover some of the gas money to get to these shows or, or whatever. And so I go to the local t-shirt shop and I'm like, Hey, I want to get a few t-shirts made. And, and they're like, okay, what size? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. And, uh, they're like, well, how many do you want? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And they're like, well, we have a minimum of, I don't know, 20. And I'm like 20 shirts. How, how am I supposed to know what size the next person that's wearing a shirt is going to be, what color they're going to want. And like, so I was going through all these things and I'm making this basically a mountain out of a molehill on this thing that's so small. But at that time, my thinking was so small. I made a t-shirt initial purchase uh, of t-shirts, this huge deal that it really shouldn't have ever been. But that was my thought process at the time. How how do I know what the next person is going to be? So I'm like, okay, maybe I, I should start a, a pre-order thing or, or do a poll on Facebook or social media. Like, hey, what size shirt? Uh, if you if I came out with some down for sound shirts, what size shirt would you uh, get? And obviously, most people are medium, large and extra large. So I had a lot of, okay, I need to order more of those and I'll order a few of the other ones. So I did that the initial run and I also learned that just because people say they're going to buy something from you, saying they'll buy a t-shirt from you, <laughs> when it comes time to change the money to go from their account to your account, everything changes. Like you get the cricket. There's so many crickets out there. Like at first it's a bunch of people talking, saying they'll buy. And then the next post you make, there's nothing but crickets chirping out there because nobody's buying anything. And then I'm stuck with these t-shirts. So I'm like, okay, what, what do I do? Oh, well, maybe if I take him to the next show, somebody will buy one. So I took him to the next show and uh, and I had a good, I mean, I don't know, I probably sold 10 t-shirts. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I sold them for 20 bucks a piece. I'm like, oh, 200 bucks. Uh, I probably, but at that time, since I bought so few of them, I had to, I was paying probably 12 or $14 a shirt for it. So, which is almost double or triple what I pay now because now I order 
a hundred thousand dollars worth of t-shirts at a time. Oh wow. And I'm giving 99% of them away with orders that people uh, make or whatever. But that's how uh, I got started with that. And every time I go to the show and sell t-shirts, I would kind of keep a tally or mental note of, okay, more people were buying. Now more people are buying extra large and two X and three X instead of medium, large and extra large. So I'm always trying to change. And I'm like, okay, well, I sold, I was able to, if I was making a $6 profit and I sold 10 t-shirts at that time, it, okay, I made 60 bucks. That's a tank of gas at that time. Not anymore, but it was a tank of gas at that time. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it offset some of my expense to making it to the show. And uh, then people started asking for stickers. And uh, so I came up with a few stickers and that's, that was how the, the merchandise side started. And man, I remember when I also started doing hoodies and so I I feel like at first I was a um, an apparel company rather than a car audio company because I'm like, okay, I got hoodies, I did beanies, I did the t-shirts and hats and all this, and uh, I could, and but I didn't when I first started going to shows with these, I literally carried all of my uh, shirts in plastic trash bags. So when I would go to shows, I would literally put them out on the ground in these trash bags and somebody would ask for a shirt and like, oh, what size is it? And there was rifle through them. <laughs> oh, man. It, <laughs> like, I'll never forget those days. And even my, my fiance now, she was with me back when we started going to these shows and uh, doing that. And she's like, man, I remember the days that we would go to these shows and somebody would ask for a 4X or whatever. And you're like digging through all these shirts and you like only to get to the bottom and you can't even find one. And so even seeing the transition of going from that to now when we go to shows, like I have somebody trailering my vehicle there on a like a car hauler. Uh, we have like these big, nice tents set up, generators, fans, like tons of shirts, amplifiers, all this down for sound stuff. It's like this real deal setup now. But I, I every time I'm there and I'm remembering it, I'm like, man, I remember what I this used to be was a few trash bags on the ground. That's, that's trash bags one. in your Jeep. That was that was yeah, it. pretty much. <laughs> well, that's that's cool. That's a that's a hell of a come up story, man. I want to ask. The very last question that I always ask is in business, e-commerce, um, a, lot, a lot of cats, especially yourself, are 24-7, 365 and don't have a lot of free time. But I think it's important for a healthy work-life balance and mental health stability to have some some free time to practice some hobbies and interests. So um, Jonathan, JP, what, what do you do with your free time? Free time. I mean, my passion is aviation. Like I love anything to do oh, wow. with airplanes and uh, it, like I worked in that industry for like i said 10 years although i'd never made much money like it brought me a lot of fulfillment because i just loved being around airplanes and seeing all the different airplanes and sure. having yeah, the opportunity yeah. to fly in some of them and everything and so i ended up getting my pilot's license but that's something that i really love to do in growing my businesses like i've learned a lot of lessons and some of them almost came to the expense of me losing my family because I was when you first get started in a business you're and you're really focused in it you have blinders on and you can't really see what your choices and decisions or how they're affecting other people that are like really close to you so now when I was really getting the business off the ground and I was getting busy I was really selfish at the time too I'm like I'm going to do all the work I'm going to make all the money I'll be able to work for a few years and make a few million dollars and retire. And I'll go live on an island somewhere with my family and everything will be great. And uh, I quickly realized that, that that's not something that is fulfilling because 
you go, I go on vacation for a week and uh, after the, well, when the week is almost up, I'm like, man, I'm bored. Uh, I've been sitting around this resort for seven days. Like you, you, that's not fulfilling. You're not helping people. You're not, you, you're not serving a purpose. You're, you're just, you're basically being lazy. It's good to get a reset, but you're not, that's not fulfilling for a long period of time where I was getting my business started. Uh, that was my idea at first. And um, I was working easily a hundred hours of work uh, a week. I was uh, waking up. I mean, I was leaving at five o'clock in the morning to come to work. I was closing at nine. I'd get home nine 30 and just, I was eating junk food. I was grabbing fast food all the time. I wasn't taking care of myself. So not only was my body paying the price, my, my health, but also my relationship with my uh, girlfriend and now fiance, it was also paying the price because I wasn't ever there. And so it, it took one time of uh, one night of me coming home and me doing my normal routine, eating my fast food at the kitchen I go up to bed and I'm, I'm going to bed and I might talk to her for a, a minute or two. And then I, I pass out I go, I go to sleep and I'm living in the house with my daughter and my girlfriend. There was three or four days at a time that I wouldn't even see my daughter. And she lived in the same house, but I would have never seen this until my fiance or girlfriend at the time. She's like, she basically said, oh, do you, can I have a minute of your time? I'm like, yeah, what, what's up? And she's like, what, what are we doing this for? I'm like, man, like it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like wow. it, it still affects me like so deeply now It's such an impactful moment to me because initially I wanted to be defensive and I was, I'm like, what do you mean? What are we doing this for? Like, I, like I'm, I'm making this money. I'm paying for everything. I buy you flowers. I buy you this. And that's not what brings her fulfillment. Like what, what makes her happy is now I know is quality time. Like spending time with her, we so often, again, we're so focused. We think just because we get some people, some material things, it's going to, it's making them happy. When my daughter doesn't care about material things, she wants to spend time with me. And same thing yeah. with, with my fiance. So like at that time, I couldn't see it because I was so blinded by, I have to be financially successful. I have to build this business. I'm like, I have to make this happen. So my decision, I mean, my choices at the time were almost costed me my whole family because I know if I would have kept doing that, she's like, and she said that night, she's like, I would see a roommate more than I see you. Like, I, I never see you like, and uh, your daughter in there, she, she hasn't seen you in four days and you live in the same house as she does. Like after I was defensive for a little bit that night, I had to swallow my pride as, as hard as that was. We, I mean, humans can be very prideful. So as hard as that was, I'm like, she's right. Like I, I have to figure this out or, I'm going to lose the things that I, I think I'm working so hard to provide for. I'm going to lose that and I'll have money. But what good is that if you don't have any family or anything? That's going to be really empty. Like, so anyway, I'm like, okay, uh, after that day, I'm like, okay, I need to start implementing things that are putting them first. I need to. So first things I got to do is I got to get help. I have to find team members because at that time I didn't even have any uh, team members. I hate it, was just you. it was just me. But it, my plan was this grand plan of making all this money real quick and then retiring. So I didn't ever have to hire anybody. I'm like, so that was a learning lesson, obviously. <laughs> so I started uh, hiring team, team members. That was a whole learning experience in, in itself. Uh, but eventually people come through that are the right fit and are here for the right reasons. And 
like, man, this made my life so much easier. And then the business grows and you find another headache and like, okay, I need to get another person to do that. So you just continue repeating that process. And obviously not everybody that comes through is going to be the right fit. But every time it made my life a little bit easier to where I didn't have to stay at work until nine, I could leave at eight. And then I'm like, okay, if I could get to where I could leave at seven, that would be another win. So I just kept bringing the time down to where I'm like, okay, now I have time to spend with them in the in the uh, evenings. I can spend time with them if I want to. I was getting this freedom. Like, okay, how do I spend more time with my daughter? Okay, I'm going to take her to school and breakfast, like on breakfast dates on Wednesdays and Thursdays every week. No, like they know my, my team members know if I'm in town, like I'm not coming in first thing in the morning on Wednesdays and Thursdays because I'm going to be taking Alyssa to uh, school or to breakfast date and then school. This one of the most rewarding things for me to spend that time with her and like on those mornings, because and sometimes it takes her a little bit to get started talking. Uh, she's 13 uh, now, but I've been doing this for years now. So I'm I'm getting to spend more time with her and and watching her grow up over the years. But her talking to me about all the different things that she enjoys and like what if she's having any problems or there's some drama or whatever, she's asking my advice and opinions and stuff. So it's really rewarding for me and and fulfilling to me. And that's something that makes me realize like you you have to be aware of the things that you're that you're affecting that are outside of yourself, your decisions initially it's affecting you, but then it's uh, affecting the people in your circle as well. So anyway, super grateful that uh, I did. She did bring that uh, Jessica, my fiance did bring that to my attention that night. And uh, it definitely changed me and made me become a way better man than I probably ever would have been. We have these defining moments in our life and that, that one, that's the one it's one of the ones that definitely raises the hair on my arm and like it makes you have that feeling like, man, that that was that was a good one. So <laughs> grateful that we're still together. What a profound answer, man. I think that's um, that's really beautiful. And look, I've, I've had a blast talking with you, Jonathan. You are as transparent as I thought you were going to be. And good luck to you, you and your company and the continued growth in the future. I just, I really appreciate having you on the show, my friend. Oh, absolutely, man. It's been a definite pleasure of mine. And uh, I'm grateful to always share this with people. And if it can help anybody in any way, I always tell people that on my social media, if my posts help at least one person like make a better decision or become better, not that it's my job, but my duty is getting fulfilled and helping other people. That's beautiful, man. Well, thanks again. Have a good one, my friend. All right, you too. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank my guest, Jonathan Price, for joining me on the show and tune in on Thursday when I talk to Munir Buferdo, the founder of a boutique email and SMS marketing agency called The Greenhouse. Munir and I have a great conversation about SMS marketing, learning from failure, the power of positive thinking, and so much more. For more information about Jonathan Price and Down for Sound, you can connect with him on LinkedIn, follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at The Life of Price or at his website, downforsoundshop.com. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you come back to find new episodes now being published twice a week every Tuesday and Thursday. Until next time.